The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Thanks once again for being with us here on The Shepherd on my program Afternoons with Mike. I'm so excited about today because Andy Searles, my buddy from Church Together in Castleberry, Florida. He is our guest. He's in the studio. Welcome back, my friend. Mike, it's so great to be with you today, and uh, we're just chatting. I know you've had some eye issues, and I want you to know I can see you clearly. (laughs) I can see you you clearly. Well, fortunately, I'm able to see you clearly, too. Well, uh, that may be unfortunate. I I am much better on the radio than the camera. (laughs) I'm told regularly that I have the face for radio, so that works out. That it's it's works out to my benefit. But uh, yeah, fortunately, we got done with those eye exams, and we're here. And albeit a little later start on this interview than we had wanted, this is uh, recorded on the very day that it's going to be uh, obviously aired back. And Andy, you were along with uh, a number of other leaders. I was privileged to be there too at a meeting yesterday that was so much fun. And I got to tell you, man, in my mind, you rang the bell with the devotional that you did. <laughs> you are very kind. I'm the blessed one seeing you twice in, in two days, oh, Mike. Oh, man, this is That's so much. Good. Anytime we get together, it's a blast. But I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. The last time you were yeah. in, mm-hmm. you and I had both gone together this thing called Transformational Leadership. It was a summit a two-day kind of a seminar Mm -hmm. that we were able to join together with other leaders in Central Florida. And it's really exciting to see this group. And that's what yesterday's meeting Mm -hmm. was about as well. Uh, We're going through all of the changes that any type of core leadership with any organization goes through. I think God's defining some things. Mm. But you gave the devotional yesterday for this meeting. And number one, I got to hand it to you, man. Anytime you do a devotional before a group of leaders, (laughs) I remember the first time as a young man that I ever uh, spoke before a group of pastors. Mm. Andy, I was scared to death. (laughs) It it just freaked me out. So I, I remember I talked... Uh, about the the whole thing of of uh, vision, and in particular, uh, using an illustration that I had heard from David Wilkerson about okay. uh-huh. uh, uh, about the uh, silversmith and how that he's he's going and when he heats up the metal and and the whole process. It was called the refiner's fire, mm-hmm. and that kind of uh, a message. Well, I I had faith for that for whatever. You know, it worked. Mm-hmm. And these leaders were very kind. I was a young guy. Yeah. But um, <laughs> it, it is it were... is intimidating because we look up to to some of the pastors and some of the folks in, in that room no where we were yesterday had been kind of leading for a long time yeah. and serving for a long time. And um, yeah, but you know, as I do, and perhaps age and experience has taught us that, that we're uh, we're all all level before Jesus. He doesn't. That's he right. doesn't have favorites. Yeah. We're all his favorite. I love that. You brought this picture about the. It was a message from the book of Joel. I mean, I yeah. think when I when I think of Joel, I instantly think of Peter's referencing a Joel mm-hmm. uh, on the day of Pentecost. I yep. mean, that's it. It's like yep. the prophet Joel, and he begins to look back and on that day, I'll pour out my spirit. Mm -hmm. But you brought a different verse. It wasn't that one. You brought a different one and it was so, so rich. And I thought it would be good in this segment. I just know our listeners are going to be blessed by this man as I was yesterday. I was, (laughs) I looked around and thought, man, he is ringing the bell. That is so good. So why don't you share with if you'll do that devotional for us here. Yeah, now you're putting me on the spot. I don't even have my Bible with me, but uh, uh, I, yeah. think, I think we can do it. Yeah, Joel is one of those books, isn't it, that we don't reference as a whole. We just kind of reference for some of those great promises that came true around Pentecost. Right. And some some great, very um, tweetable <laughs> verses as well about God restoring yeah, uh, and no doubt. Replenishing and that kind of stuff. No doubt. But Joel is writing in an unusual 
transitional time. You'll note chronologically uh, in the Bible, it's kind of towards the end of the Old Testament, and he's prophesying about the new Messiah that's coming and everything behind and everything ahead. Here it is right here. There's the verse. Ah, verse there we go. Look at yeah. that. Joel yeah. chapter 2. Verse 3. Verse 3. And it says this about the people of God. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but behind them is a desolate wilderness. Let me, let me mm-hmm. read that again. The land before them is like Eden, but behind them is a desolate wilderness. And I think the question I wanted to ask yesterday is which way are we facing yeah. as the people of God today? Are we looking towards Eden or are we looking towards the wilderness? Some of this is about attitude, but a lot of it is yeah. about action. And I've sat with this verse for a long time because I think it captures our story as Christians, right? We know that in the beginning, in the garden, in Eden, where everything was perfect, we were able to be with God and we were unashamed and and everything was right with the world. But when temptation came, we turned around and faced towards wilderness. And you don't have to look very far. You don't have to read many newspaper headlines to see that we've walked pretty far into the wilderness. Oh, my goodness. So true. Many in our world are still walking towards even more barren wilderness. Mm -hmm. But as the gospel continues, God sends his only son, Jesus, who comes to change us and redeem us and and turn us around. Mm-hmm. You know, the word repentance means to to turn around. And so as we repent before God and we're able to because of what Jesus has done and won yeah. for us, we start to face Eden again. Yeah. And there's great hope for us as believers because now we're looking to the future. We're looking to the restoration of all things. We're looking back to Eden. Mm-hmm. But, Mike, you know as well as I do that we live in a world that just seems so topsy-turvy and it's so easy for us to get spun around. Yep. Maybe we'll oh, get yeah. some some tough news. Maybe we'll get the call from the doctor we don't want. Maybe the, the, the finances are leaking at a level that's unsustainable. And we just get turned around and it's so easy for us mm-hmm. to face the wilderness. Yeah. And when we're facing the wilderness, we're putting our hope in things that won't satisfy. You know, we we do that sometimes intentionally as well, but I hate to say it. We're not perfect. We're human still. Terry Virgo said something years ago that I really, I just think it's so wise. We were set free, he said, from reigning sin, Mm -hmm. but not from remaining sin. Yeah. So there are things that believers, even those who put their trust and they're doing their best, we still make mistakes. We fall short mm-hmm. of the gospel and can find ourselves right back there facing wilderness. Facing wilderness. Yeah. And, and the thing about the wilderness, there's nothing in it for us. <laughs> it's empty. Yeah. It's barren. It's where the enemy kind of has a field day. Yeah, he does. And we're not made to live there. We, we, are, we are from Eden, and man, did sin do a number on us. Mm-hmm. But because of what Jesus has done, we can face Eden again. Yeah. And so I think there's a message there for you and me and our listener and for the church. Let's face Eden because God has so much for us there. That's our home. Yeah. Let's turn our back on the wilderness and let's head towards Eden. You know, it uh, is something that I think everyone, when they see the things of God, when they are tasting the joy of the Lord, when they have the sense in their heart that they've been forgiven, it is the most wonderful thing. Mm. You would think, I would think, that we would never ever fall prey to that temptation again to go back in the wilderness. And yet people do, we do. And, and so that's why our life right now is a walk, and we've got to keep our eyes mm-hmm. on the Lord yeah. as we continue to walk. And in that walk, um, the question is, which way are we walking 
Yeah. Which way are we facing? No one walks backwards, right? right, right. We walk in the direction we're facing. And yeah. so, so Joel's word is so appropriate, right? They were facing towards yeah. Eden. That means they were walking, or as we used to sing, we're marching to Zion. You remember that? I that, do that remember hymn? that, yeah. Do you want to sing it for us? No, so you're I good. don't, okay. no. <laughs> but, but, but we're marching, we're walking towards Eden. And, 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 and Jesus is our prize. He's the one that we yeah. fix our eyes on. Yeah, the Lot and Abraham separate. Mm-hmm. Abraham gives Lot the choice. Where are you going to face? To what direction mm-hmm. will you walk? And the Bible says he faced towards Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. He went that direction mm-hmm. and he, he put his tent there. Mm-hmm. And first thing you know, he's not just facing them. Mm-hmm. He's inside the gates. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the the gospel gets as clearly practical as that. Yeah. Right. Which way are we facing? Yeah. My, my, I got some decisions to make this afternoon. Before I make those decisions, I need to say, Am I facing towards God and what God has for me? Yeah. Or am I looking towards the wilderness? Yeah. Right. And we've all got decisions to make today. We've all got big decisions to make tomorrow. How, how we love and how we lead, if we're facing the wrong way, we're not doing it in God-honoring ways. And it's not taking us where God wants to take us. Right. I believe it. Now, along with that, you had another visual to give us <laughs> yesterday. As we've talked before in this program many times when Andy's been here, he is, in addition to being an outstanding pastor, and in my mind, a community gatherer. You are involved in so many different outreaches that Castleberry does. And mm-hmm. in our next, uh, in, our, in just a little bit, we're going to be talking about uh, what's going on even this October in that region, but because I think it's an inspiration for all churches that they can be doing something similarly to this if if you just continue to push that out there and say, Lord, what would you want me to yes. do? But one of the things that you do that is a bit unique to what most pastors would do, and you're obviously from the UK, you've got this delightful accident, <laughs> uh, accident, <See>? accident, accident. <laughs> it's not an accident, man. Yeah, it's beautiful. The, the accent is the only reason my wife married me. My <laughs> well, sure I get it. It is, it is so cool. And when you were talking about uh, Eden and the wilderness uh, yesterday, man, I, I'm your friend. Uh, your friend was proud of you. I thought, man, that's it. But just listen to that voice. I love it. It is so much fun to hear you. But you, because of your love for uh, the UK and mm-hmm. the, the soccer that mm-hmm. is big there, football there. Yep, it's it's in my blood. It's in your blood. Yeah. You are a chaplain for the pro soccer team here in the, Orlando. Yeah, I, I am. And I love doing that. Um Mike, even though soccer is a relatively new sport in the U.S., um, I, I think there are many in the U.S. who can understand yeah. um, not just a passion for sports, but when you cross that line and sports becomes an idol in your life. And that was me mm-hmm. for many yeah. years. My life was determined by how well my team were doing, which is a horrible Way to live if your yeah. team's not very good. I um, think people in Gainesville can kind of taste a little bit of that. <laughs> there's a, a, little there's of that. a lightness and a cheeriness <laughs> if the Gators win on a Sunday morning. Everything feels differently. <laughs> but that was an idol in my life. And when I met the Lord, all idols need to die before him. And one of the idols that needed to die was my, my love for soccer. Wow. It was controlling too much of my life. And now later in life, God has allowed me to speak into and love into a fallen idol in my life. So that's a little bit of my story about soccer. But I think the story you want to lean into and just to tie it back to Joel as well, right? Joel 2, 3 says, which way are you facing? Are you facing towards Eden or the wilderness? Joel chapter 3 talks about prophetically all that God has got in store for us. When everybody who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a great and glorious day Mm -hmm. that will be when that which we hope for now will be fulfilled in reality and actuality. And I shared the story about how last year Orlando City, the team that I chaplain, won a 
major national championship. Yeah, they did. Top. It, it was called the U.S. Open Cup. I believe it's the oldest knockout competition in America. It was started in 1914, and we won it. And we mm-hmm. beat some really good teams on the way. And the final was so exciting. We were so nervous. And the stadium was was packed. And uh, we were cheering and praying and the whole thing. And the, the final whistle goes and we've won. And you get the opportunity as a team to be presented with the trophy. And so they built this little platform on the field. And they invited the staff on the field. And to you're kinda, there too. Yeah, to, to, to yeah. celebrate. And so I got my credential and the stands are full. And we're walking onto <laughs> the field. And as we're walking onto the field, they put a little scarf around us. And the scarf is a beautiful scarf. It's a knitted scarf. And it says, uh, Orlando City Champions 2022. Right. And so we walk on the field and we're celebrating. And I see the players lift the trophy and waving at family and just exuberant and after that we go into the locker room and uh, you know you've seen those scenes right where the they, they have to put this kind of a tarpauling up because yeah, the, the champagne, champagne is, is going popping, everywhere yeah, right and um i was probably don't tell too many people that i arrived home that night at two o'clock in the morning uh-huh. covered in champagne I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't partaking but i was celebrating yeah that's right and and I get home and I look at this scarf and the scarf on it, as I said, says Orlando City Champions 2022. What was interesting about that is I was given that scarf about two minutes after the final whistle went, which meant that in that two minutes, our, our kit manager, our uniform manager didn't have time to print those things. No, no. So they had been printed way before the game. Yeah. And so someone expected that we were going to win before we won. And they invested all of that into those scarves. Right. They, they, had, they had planned the victory celebration before the victory was won because they had a great hope that that victory was coming. And yesterday, and, and, and honestly, I've, I've leaned into this thought many, many times. I made the connection that as Christians, we serve the God who wins. Jesus always wins. Yeah. Right? He's not going to lose. Jesus never loses. In fact, what should have been a tragic loss, he turned into victory. Mm. And if he can flip death on his head and rise from the dead, There's a guy who doesn't lose. And for us as Christians, we know that Jesus has won, that that there is a hope before us that is very real. But that hope hasn't been actualized yet. We we, we see in faith what one day we will see in sight, right? But as we're still living in faith, let's wear the scarf, knowing that even though we've still got to keep fighting, right? we've won. You won. Because we're with him. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things when I I heard this analogy, this metaphor that you were giving and watching you wear that scarf, it was beautiful. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you know, there was a risk involved in making that scarf because they did not know at that point that Orlando City was going to pull that through. They thought they would, obviously, but there's a risk. They made it in faith. Right. Right. Which is another word for... Uh, for risk, right? They made it in faith. But in that moment, we were able to see and hold the trophy in sight. It was there. How sweet that is. I I, I held it. And man, how sweet that will be on that great day. On that day. When the one that we trust now in faith, we will see face to face. Our eyes will forever be toward Eden. Yes. My goodness. Andy Searles is my guest. We'll be back with Andy in a moment. You're on The Shepherd. This is Afternoons with Mike. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. 
an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. We are having a great time here today with Andy Searles. Andy is the lead pastor at Church Together in Castleberry. He, when he says it, it sounds much more cool. Uh, I, I'm just going to do the best I can do, man. I can't compete with this, uh, this brogue that you have. I love it. But Andy, is, as we've talked about in, in number one segment today, we... Uh, we get to hear about the different community things that Andy is involved in. And we've just talked about Orlando City soccer, Mm -hmm. which is something that's really cool. Although the UKers, they hold on to the football word. Well, we should. And you know why we do, Mike, right? Because you're right. Because it's, it's, well, that, of course. (laughs) But you use your foot more than your hand. So it makes sense to call a game that you use your foot in football. I completely agree. that You have to put that Americanism right there with the game of baseball and the big tournament at the end, the World Series. Yeah. Yes. When it's not being played by other people in the yes, world. Yes, yeah. We'll figure that one. That always speaks to some of our ego issues in America. It does. Unless Toronto. The center of the world, yeah. Yeah, if Toronto is in that uh, World Series game, there's at least a little bit of cred with that's that. Right. That's right. Otherwise, it's just pure old American pride. <laughs> it is. That's there. But uh, you guys are right. With soccer, it is true football. You're not even allowed to use your hands unless you're the goalie. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, I, and we've talked about this before. I had to learn all of the rules when my son, I was asked to coach. Yeah. And I didn't know the first thing about it. <laughs> I've been a basketball coach, never a soccer coach. Yeah. So I had a lot of rules to learn. I'm sure you did great, Mike, because coaching is all about people, isn't it? It really is. And, uh you have gifts in that area. Well, thank you. It was a blast. I have to say, watching my son and learning the the uh, the game, it was it was a really positive uh, memory for me. Let's talk about though serving in the kingdom in a more let's say general way, less sports related, um, and and you you excel at that as well. You do that with all these other churches in in your area. And a lot of churches, I think, would feel alone. The pastors, mm-hmm. we hear that often. When we talk to pastors, they don't necessarily mm-hmm. feel like they have a fellowship with other people. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when, when they find it, it, it means the world to them. Yeah. But you guys, you've been doing that since I moved back. One of the first uh, names that was told mm-hmm. to me from my son-in-law, who at that point mm-hmm. was uh, a pastor on the staff at our church. Now yeah. he's the lead pastor. But he introduced me to you. And he said, you've got to get with Andy <laughs> Searles. Andy has a heart for the area. Well, I am I am grateful that he connected us, Mike. Yeah, I am too. Uh, be, before we before we talk about that, let's, let's just sit for a minute on something you brought up that I think is really important just to acknowledge. We live in a very lonely world. Yeah. And I think what you said is very true of our, our pastors, um, but it's not just true of our pastors. We are experiencing a, a loneliness epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, our society yeah. for so often has isolated us and separated us. And this kind of um, consumer, I'm the center of my world mentality is so detrimental because it isolates us from mm-hmm. people. In fact, in England, I was reading the other day that um, there has been a government position created called the Minister of Isolation because there are so many people who are alone, and it is their job to try and fight this loneliness academic wow. epidemic in the country. Yeah, And I don't know if we've kind of formalized it or acknowledged it, but we feel it. And we see it Mm -hmm. and we see the mental health numbers rising and we see the suicide numbers rising and we see people kind of stepping away from from communities and communities of faith. And it's not doing anything good for our society. And a lot of that stuff is solved 
by simply taking the brave step of entering into a relationship with someone. Mm-hmm. We, we are not meant to be alone. The scripture says um, it is not good for us to be alone. And now we're seeing that and we're seeing some of the fallout of this loneliness. Yeah. And so that's a big part of why we called our church church together because we want to help people come together in a relationship with, with God through Christ. We want them to be in relationship together with each other. And we just want people to know that you don't have to go through life alone. Yeah. It's interesting how often I've seen the cross be used as more than just the symbol of Mm -hmm. our salvation, but it is also, is it not, a kind of a symbol of those two trajectories that are there. We have the vertical, Mm -hmm. our relationship with God on the vertical plank, but then Jesus stretched his arms out. I think of the Mercy Me song. Yeah. How much did he, uh, was it Mercy Me or was it uh, Casting Crowns? I can't remember right now, but one of them talked about as far as the, it's for Casting Crowns, as far as the East is from the West, yeah. his hands were stretched out. And that is that mm. horizontal mm. Uh, to, uh, to people, to mm. others, to the one another's that brings us all together. Yeah. So we have both planes, the vertical the horizontal, mm. and they represent mm. the love of God and, that we're to experience here on this earth. Mm. And, and I think I certainly find in my walk with God, Mike, that it's hard to be holy and faithful vertically if I'm not involved in healthy and holy horizontal relationships. Oh, that's good, man. Right? That's really good. I mean, good. they kind of need yeah. each other. It's, it's really hard for God to speak into my life unless he's using the voice of those around me. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he can do it and he does do it, but but there's a lot more overlap between the the horizontal and the vertical than we realize. It's not a me and God faith. Yeah. It really is a we and God experience. You know, I met a guy yesterday who was telling me something just, just mm-hmm. like that. He had been praying mm-hmm. for an answer. Mm-hmm. And then he gets a random phone call from someone in ministry. It was a, not an, a person he knew. And this person offered them a position and used the verbiage that was almost identical to what my, this guy had been praying about and using. Mm-hmm. And he realized he didn't hear directly from the voice of the Lord, yeah. but the voice of the Lord spoke through another person yeah. in ways that he knew that was indeed the answer that I'd been praying for. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes it comes from yeah. another person. Well, it does. And I mean, God shows his love to the world through us. God speaks truth mm-hmm. to the world through us. Um, there's a big overlap between the horizontal and the vertical. And if we're just focusing on one, we're actually doing a service to disservice yeah. to that too. Now you, along with all the other pastors in Castleberry throughout Central Florida, and this would be true in Ocala, in Gainesville, we've all gone through this pandemic mm. and the effects of it. Mm. Uh, we're still feeling some of mm. the effects, even though it's been now since 2020. We're talking over three years since all of that started, since some of those lockdowns went in. And even still, not 100% of those that were attending churches are back face to face. We need to get back face to face. Wouldn't you agree? I, I think so too. Um, Mike, I'm sure you've heard the old illustration of the log on a fire, that if the log is taken off the fire, the log cools down. Mm-hmm. And I see that a lot. Again, we're made for each other. It's really hard to uh, worship vertically um, and experience all that God has for us if we're not living yeah. horizontally. And, and And the church is there. That's yeah. part of the purpose of the church. Mike, I read a great scripture the other day, and I read it before in other versions of the Bible. But I read it in the message, and it's in Ephesians 1, and Paul's talking about his love for the church. And he says, the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Mm. Mm. And we were just talking about yeah, peripheral right. vision as yeah. before we got started. And right. the idea is that we kind of tend to think 
the the church is kind of on the edge of society. You right. know, it's on those blurry bits of our vision yeah. because we're laser focused on the stuff of the world and the things we need to do. But I loved how Eugene Peterson framed that by saying, no, 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 we, we, we got it wrong. As goes the church, so goes the world. Wow. God is not looking um, at the church as if the church is kind of on the unimportant edge. No, no, no. The church is the bullseye for God's vision. And yeah. he's looking at the church because I think he knows that if the church can get it right, if the church can love well and serve well and bring people together and help people focus towards Eden and all the things that we've been talking about, then the world will fall into line, mm -hmm. right? Our hope of redemption doesn't rest in the systems and structures of the world. You know, it we rest in the message of God through his church. Through his church, and that means the, the, the one another's in the church. Mm -hmm. We're all called to do it. I want to go back to your fire illustration. Mm -hmm. My father-in-law taught me everything I know about fireplaces. Mm -hmm. I, we never had yeah. one when I was a kid growing up. So when I began to it's date... not many of them in Florida. No, there's not, <laughs> but there are a few. But up in Indiana and Kentucky, mm -hmm. where we were, there were lots of them, although we never had one in my house. Hmm. So with all... The, all that I'd done uh, in in Indiana growing up, I was not a very uh, experienced fire maker mm -hmm. in a fireplace. Yeah. So my father-in-law at their house that they had just moved into, uh, Cindy and I were married, uh, and they'd moved into this lovely home in this lovely neighborhood. And in my mind, it had a fireplace. And I'm thinking, man, all you need to have a fire is a log, right? And and a, a, a match, and you, you've got it, you've got to mm -hmm. go. And he goes... Oh no, mm. you, you don't just start with a log. You have to have several logs. Mm. Yeah. And he began to share with me something that I'd never known before. Fire crawls, it, it rises, mm. it jumps, it builds. And so if you tried your best to get one log started to have a roaring fire, good luck, man. Yeah. It, it, you can pour gasoline on it and yeah. it's still not going to work. Yeah. But you add two, three, four add in some kindling to get that thing going and then that fire will will begin to rise and if you build it almost like a you know indian style teepee type of fireplace yeah. in in that it will it will rise up to the very top yeah and, and the it, flames and, take everything and, over and if 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 the holy spirit is the fire a familiar scriptural metaphor and we are the log we need to be close to the fire if we want to stay warm. That's exactly right. So that illustration, once again, we, we are not just singular in our relationship to God. We've got to have each other. Yeah. When two or more are gathered, yeah. I am there, right? Right. Again, it doesn't have to be a lot of people, but, but our experience of God needs to be communal. So that is an encouragement. If you're one of those, maybe fear of uh, the pandemic, or maybe you were hearing the news stories, and without a doubt, there are people experiencing uh, some measures, although I don't think it's anywhere near as bad yeah. of an outbreak as it was in 2020. But uh, we know COVID, that terrible C word that's been mm -hmm. added to our vocabulary. It's back again. It's making some people sick. Uh, look, we're not called either to live by fear. We're called to live by faith. Mm -hmm. And that faith, like we said earlier, there's a there's a risk involved. Mm. If you're going to be live for God, we need to get ready for that. So my encouragement, yes, be careful, do what you need to do, what you feel you need to do. But guys, go back, get back involved relationally, one with another. I think it's time for that. I think we need to do that. And secondly, I think we need to resist the fear of of a new outbreak. We're coming into the fall. And it's like these people on television, they want to just sow fear in the hearts of people uh, to say, hey, you, it's coming back. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, again, I think you're exactly right. Let's resist fear. Fear is a terrible reason yeah. to, to do anything. I, I do want to just kind of push back a little bit. I think maybe for a lot of people, COVID was a reason not to go to church. But I'm not sure that COVID is what keeps people from church right now. Right. I think we've got used to doing sports with kids on Sundays or sleeping in yeah. or breakfast with the family. Or uh, watching it on TV. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you see these people who go 
to work and working crowded offices or schools with crowded classrooms uh, Monday through Friday. And it's like, oh, I'm not going to church on Sunday because I might get COVID. It's like, come on. I mean, yeah, right. let, let's be honest about what's going going on. And I think I think the sad thing is we are made for each other. And if we isolate ourselves, we miss out on a lot of what God has for us. I agree completely. We need each other. And uh, with that, we've got just a couple of minutes before we have to have a break here, Andy. I know that in Castleberry, the pastors there have been given a wonderful privilege mm. to take over the reins again for a big fall festival yeah. uh, around the time of Halloween. So tell us that. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we do, we, we, we love each other as brothers and sisters in Christ among our different churches, which I'm finding out is is quite unique, uh, even though Scripture advocates strongly for that. And so we pray together. Um, when you say we, you're talking about you and other pastors and, and, of other churches. Yeah, and and there are several churches in our little community that do that frequently. But yeah, one of the things that we're going to be doing on October 21st at Lake Concord Park is hosting an event um, for our city. For many years, it's been called Spooktoberfest with mm. everything that that brings. Um, but we've been asked to serve and we're rebranding it as Funtoberfest because we want to distance ourselves from some of the um, unpleasant parts right. of that spookiness. Um, and we're going to have a great event. Each church is taking a different area. We're uh, going to come close to a couple hundred volunteers, we think, and we'll all be wearing the same shirt that identifies us as part of the body of Christ in our city rather than our individual churches. And we're hoping that in our unity and as we serve together, we can do more together, which will provide a bigger blessing to our community. That sounds wonderful. And these churches that are represented there, they can all take part and, and volunteer because it's needed, right? I, I, absolutely. The way we've set it up is that every church is going to take um, responsibility for a different uh, event at this celebration. But volunteers from all the churches will be able to serve at all the places. So we're going to get to meet new friends and brothers and sisters in Christ as well as serving our community together. That's wonderful. Andy Searles, my guest today, we'll be back with him for one more segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. With my friend Andy Searles today, he's back in the studio with us, and I, I always enjoy having Andy here. We've just talked about one of the reasons why I believe God is using Andy so significantly in Central Florida is his love for each other, his love for the people of God, his love for those pastors and other churches in the community. I mean, you know, uh, there were a lot of churches growing up, I saw, Andy, that were so clingy to their own stuff. They mm. never wanted any of their people to ever experience mm. another church because there was fear that they could lose their people to, let's say, another ministry. Yeah. And I, I saw that a lot growing up. And I love it down here. That's not even a fear that people give into at all here. And so you, as a result, you partner with all these different churches and it's working wonderfully. It, it, it is. And I think it's so important to do so as well. Part of the reason it's become easier to do so is because we really do need each other now. Yeah. Um, but I think that was how God intended it all along. I agree. Um well, I think it was Martin Luther King who said a divided world needs a united church. And ironically, as our world gets more and more divided, our church somehow becomes more and more united. And um, I'm excited to see what God will do when his church comes together as the big C body of Christ. Right. 
Um, honestly, when it does, not only is it going to be beautiful, it's going to be stunning in its influence. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think we come together for a, a political power or a show of strength or might. We come together to to love and serve. And I think our world is ready um, for an overflowing expression of what it means to love well and to serve well and to walk in humility. And I yeah. think as we come together, God's going to show himself to our world in a beautiful way. Well, I w- went to a conference in England, and I want to get your thoughts. must have been good it if was it was in England. England. It was in England. I mean, England. say no more. It was yeah. probably the most anointed conference you've uh, been. It was amazing. You're in God's country then, Mike. <laughs> I flew into, what was it, Manchester, mm-hmm. I think, and then we took a train to Southport. Okay. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm there, Southport, what, just a little north of of uh, where the Beatles were. Yeah, in Liverpool. Yep, it's in right Liverpool. between Liverpool and Manchester on the yeah. West so, Coast. Yeah. So I, that, uh, the Western part, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd never been to that part of England at that point. So it was really fun. The train ride was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we went there to an event, and here's why I'm talking about that. It was called Worship Together. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so in, in some of the same ways that we are talking about, mm. about what you do at church together mm. and the reasons you like that term, I thought that back then in 97, mm. that was a, such a unique thing because they were pulling together worship teams yeah. from churches all over the world. And at that particular conference, I had a chance to meet uh, Matt Redman. Yep. And uh, then there were people from the Stonely band that were there right. got to meet them right. i remember them Stuart yeah. townend yeah who wrote the song along with the gettys who wrote the song uh oh my goodness the name of the song in, was it in christ alone in christ alone yeah. thank yeah. you yeah so Stuart, i got to know him a little bit got to spend some time yeah. with them yeah uh, i remember worship together it was quite the movement oh it was right? amazing the yeah. the uh worship team from hillsong in australia mm-hmm. was there diane check uh, was oh, yeah. there from Hillsong? From Hillsong, yeah. Hillsong, and so they did shout to the Lord right. at this thing. It right. was amazing. So we got to do all of this, and the movement of this uh, worship movement that was going on, the movement outward was was pulling in. Do you see that same kind of thing happening in England right now? Because I know you're still tied to a, a lot that's going on there. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. And again, I'm probably not an expert, but I do keep my eye on things because I have friends over there and and family. Um, What I see in England in the kind of ministry space is that there are some incredible pockets of light and light. Um, Pretty much, I think it's fair to say that England, in the same way that the U.S. is becoming, has become a secular country, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Those... um, the, the majority of the population have no reference and there's sometimes a couple of generations removed from any understanding reference to to the gospel. But in that darkness of a secular society, there are some incredibly bright pockets of life. You know, some of that exists in the worship space. Some of it um, expresses itself in the discipleship growth space. Mm-hmm. Um Certainly, England seems to have a, a big consciousness for social welfare and uh, social transformation and things like that. So, so I think even though there's a pretty secular backdrop, there are some pretty bright spots in the midst of that. That's great. And we pray that continues. I know the ally that uh, they represent to the U.S., is an important one, even though we fought them a couple hundred years ago yeah. over here. <laughs> we've been, we've been you wanna, allies. You want to go there? Or? No, I don't want to go there right now. <laughs> I mean, we've already talked about football and soccer. And <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go there. I do want to go here, though. I want to go to what, what you are doing and you're preaching right now at, worship, at, uh, at church together. Mm-hmm. You're talking about uh, finances and money. And yeah. that's always a fun thing, man. When you bring yeah. in those two into a, a conversation, you could have some fireworks. Yeah. I, I think, um, <laughs> I, I think I always assumed, let me say that the, the church, um, 
didn't like hearing about money mm-hmm. as much as the preacher didn't like talking about money. It, and most preachers don't like to talk it, about it. It just gets awkward, right? Yeah. Um, we it ha- seems self-serving. Yeah, we have mm-hmm. an awkward relationship with money. It's it's private. It's um, personal. And so when we talk about it at church, it just kind of gets gets hard. And honestly, I'd been afraid of that. And I'd been afraid of the negative press that the church gets when we talk about money. And I'd been afraid of even remotely suggesting that the prosperity gospel is actually good news. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Because I want to reject that away. Right. Our relationship with God is based on on grace alone. There's no transaction that we can make with God to get anything from God. He loves us just because he loves us. So for all those factors, I've always been a little bit hesitant to talk about money. But Money is something that preoccupies yeah. more of our time than anything else. It's the leading cause of divorce and arguments and families and, and that kind of stuff. Right. And the thing that I'm actually convinced of, because I've seen it in my own life, is that if we can steward our money in God's ways, then God does incredible things with our money. And so I've been calling this little series just a little bit more. And I've based it off that quote from... John Rockefeller, J.D. Rockefeller, and a reporter asked him, as he was the first billionaire in the U.S., right, how much money is enough? And he said, just, just a, a little, little bit more, more right? <laughs> and, and, and I'm kind of twisting that a little bit to say that God has more for our money. Yeah. Not necessarily to give us more of it. I want to, like I said, stay clear of that prosperity stuff. But God has more for our money. And so over the last few weeks, we've been looking at some of the more that God wants to do if we can steward our resources in a godly way. Mm-hmm. One of them is that he wants to give us more joy and less stress, mm-hmm. right? I mean, how yeah. often do we stress about money? But if we're following God's instruction about money, we're experiencing more joy and less stress, We've talked about how God wants to give us more return on our resources, the parable of the talents, Mm -hmm. and less waste. The amount of money that we waste every week is just crazy, and God doesn't want us to do that. He wants more of a a return. Um, Last week, I talked about um, how God wants us to become more giving and less grabbing mm. because when we grab at our resources and we try to con- control them and we pretend that they're ours, we yeah. miss out on the joy of giving. And generosity. Yeah. 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 And then this week I'm going to wrap up the series talking about how God requires more faithfulness and less fraud. And I'm speaking from the book of Malachi when the oh, prophet so said, um, hey, you're robbing God. And the people of God said, what do you mean robbing God? No, you're robbing God. You're not giving the, right. the, the full tithe. You've right. not been fully faithful. And when we're not fully faithful, we're actually being frauds within yeah. our faith. So I've been talking about the more that God wants from our money, more joy, less stress, more giving, less grabbing, more return, less waste, more faithfulness, less fraud. Yeah. Because it's his anyway. It is. And as we steward it faithfully, and whenever we steward God's money faithfully, it always leads naturally to generosity because I, God is a generous God. Yeah. But when we manage our resources and our money according to him, God's got more in store for us than we realize. And, you know, fear, we talked about that mm-hmm. with regards to covid it also uh, puts its ugly head up in this talk as well mm. because people hang on. They don't give. They don't uh, give tithing mm. to churches out of fear, yeah. the fear that they're not going to have enough to make their monthly bills. So yeah. all of that is put ahead of faith, and, and we need to be people mm. who say, you know, we're going to serve right, God. You need to come to my church in a couple of weeks and preach more, more faith, less fear when it comes <laughs> more, to money. I like it. I like it. Well, it's true. Yeah. We need to have more faith, less fear. Mm. And if we do that, 
there's more joy. I like that emphasis that you put, the joy that comes from when we are aligned with God. That's something that's true right down the line on any of the topics we've talked about today. And what I'm finding, Mike, as we talk about this is that I think people actually want to talk about the very thing that we think they want to stay clear of, Hmm. right? Because the reality is it's such a big issue in our lives. And if we don't hear what the word of God has to say about it, we hear what the world has to say about it. Mike, I was in Times Square last week. Oh, wow. I had to fly up to New York for a board meeting of a board that I'm on. A little bit of free time, 11.30 at night. Wow. Went up to time. I know, and I'm an early That's, to bed guy. Yeah, Times Square. And that thing's alive at eleven thirty. Packed with oh, people, yeah. lights everywhere, and I, and I thought, let me just see how many advertisements are, are flashing at me, wanting to kind of grab my attention and grab my money and my resources. And I counted to about thirty something, and then I just couldn't keep up because it was just too overwhelming. So I went back and googled it that night. How many advertisements at Times Square? And it was like 320. Oh, my goodness. Everyone screaming, this is what you need to do with your money. And we look at all these advertisements, some obvious and some subtle (laughs) and and some subliminal. And we say, okay, that's telling me what to do with my money. But we don't go to the word of God. Yeah. When God has a great plan for our money that brings us more joy, less stress, and, more return, less wasted. And I'd be willing to bet that that was not one of those 300 that was ever put in there. Yes. You know, the importance of giving to your local church, that would never there be talked about. There was not a about. billboard for that in Times that's Square. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You're not going to get it. Yeah. Andy, it's great to have had you here. Thank you for coming. I know you've got to rush off to another meeting, but thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, our, our audience. And we always grow from hearing your thoughts and from your heart. So thank you. Mike, let me just kind of recap on three things that we, 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 we've we said to our listeners. One, keep looking forward because there is great hope for us. Yes. Secondly, do things together because we're not made to live in isolation. And thirdly, let's look for opportunities to be generous, not just with our resources and with our money, although please do that but in our words, in our thoughts, in our kindness towards others. Can't get any better than that, my friend. Andy Searles from Church Together in Castleberry. And friends, we'll see you next time right here on our program, Afternoons with Mike.